You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and all the good people of the world. And welcome to the first edition of Luke's English Podcast for 2012. It's the first one this year, and I think it's going to be a good one. I've got a good feeling about it. I hope you had a very good new year. I'll be talking a little bit about that later. Right now, it's um, Thursday evening. It's just, uh, just a normal Thursday evening. I'm sitting here at my desk in front of my window, and uh, from the window, I can see a fantastic view of the centre of London. In fact, I've got most of the centre of London and a large part of West London, uh, which I can see from my window. So just sitting here, I'm looking out at this scene. It's, it's, um, it's dark outside, but there's lights. Uh, all the buildings are, are, are lit up. There's lights everywhere, um, all along the riverside, all along in the city of, in the in the centre of the city. I can see the London Eye and the sh and the Shard, which is a new building, which is currently under construction. I can see the underground, and uh, I can see the district and Piccadilly lines. Um, they're actually at this point uh, they're overland, so I can see the trains going up and down and in and out of the stations. There are lots of cars driving around here. Uh, there's several busy roads nearby, and I can see all of the, the red tail lights of the, uh, of the cars driving away and the headlights of the cars driving further towards me. And all in all, it's a fantastic view and quite a nice atmosphere. Um, in the sky, there are lots of planes, um, lots of planes coming over to land in Heathrow Airport, which is one of the busiest airports in Europe. Um, and earlier on this week, I counted 10 planes in the sky. Uh, ten planes. I could see ten planes in the sky. It was incredible. So I've got a really good view here. And it's uh, surprisingly warm for this time of year. Normally in, um, in January it's, it's freezing cold here and you close the windows and uh, wrap up warm. Uh, but uh, for some reason uh, at the moment it's really quite warm uh, outside. I've actually got my window open so you might be able to hear some um, street noise. Um, I expect uh, sort of police cars or ambulances might drive past and you'll hear the sirens. So it's like the typical atmosphere from my um, living room window here in West London. And um, so as I said, Happy New Year. I hope you had a fantastic New Year. I, I know that um, the New Year is, is possibly the biggest uh, celebration uh, around the world. Uh, it's probably bigger than Christmas, depending on which country you're in. Um, here in England, Christmas is a very big, um, big deal, but I know in many other countries you don't really celebrate Christmas, and instead New Year's Eve is the time when you have a really big party or a meal or something like that. Um, now here, because Christmas is a quite a special time, you tend to find that there are lots of parties, and it's actually a week between Christmas and New Year. So within that week, you find that you go to lots of parties because everyone's celebrating Christmas, and you kind of drink uh, a lot, and you eat lots of chocolate and things like that. And then when it comes up to New Year's Eve, it's usually, you're usually a bit exhausted, a bit bored of, of partying, and yet you still have to go out because there's a lot of pressure on you to do something. Because people are asking you, what are you doing for New Year's Eve? Have you got any plans? And you know that um, afterwards, when you get back to work, people will be asking you, so what did you do at New Year's Eve? 
and uh, you feel like you need to have a good story. Um, you need to tell them something that was good, you know, something interesting. Otherwise, you're going to come across as a bit of a boring person. So you, there's a bit of pressure on you to kind of do something interesting on New Year's Eve. Now, a lot of people go into the centre of London um, and they go and see the fireworks. But to be honest, I think that's an absolute nightmare because the city centre in any English city um, on New Year's Eve, uh, on New Year's Eve, is usually an absolute nightmare because everyone's really drunk. Um, it's just crazy. There's no public transport. All of the taxis get used up, and so everyone's just sort of drunken in the street. And it's a it's a real mission to try and get home, almost like a mission impossible, just to try and get home uh, in the evening. So going out is really annoying. It's very crowded and difficult. Um, you could go to a house party, and that's quite common, and that's probably the best thing that you can do on New Year's Eve. If you get invited to someone's party at their house or at their flat, that's a really good uh, opportunity to just sort of have a lot of fun with some close friends, and that would involve like playing some music in the flat. If you choose to stay in, um, it, you've got to be careful because there may be people having parties in your building, so it might be quite noisy uh, if you stay in, but... Um, it can be a really nice way to enjoy the evening, just to stay in maybe with your partner or a few close friends or something and just sort of celebrate the New Year that way. New Year's Day tends to be quite quiet because most people went to bed very late and so it's kind of very quiet and uh, people get up late. Some people have hangovers if they drink a lot. Um, on New Year's Eve in London we have a big firework display and uh, this year I saw the firework display from my window because I can see the centre of town from up here and it's fantastic. So I hope you had a great new year as well. Um, I'm just thinking about times when I've been away for new year and I was, um, last year I was in Cambodia um, with my cousin and so uh, we celebrated uh, new year there and they had lots of fireworks in the street and everyone was launching fireworks in the street and that was great fun. There's lots of loud music and big parties. The year before that I was in Hanoi in Vietnam and it was a similar experience. Um, in the centre of Hanoi, there's a lake. Um, and on New Year's Eve, everyone just rides around and around and around the lake on their mopeds or scooters. So really, the centre of Hanoi is just crazy on New Year's Eve. Lots and lots of mopeds all driving round and round and round this lake. It's, um, it's amazing. So um, 2011 was a fantastic year for Luke's English podcast. In fact, it became like much more popular than um, than it was the previous year, and more popular than I expected. In fact, these days, um, I'm getting between thirty and forty thousand downloads of Luke's English podcast every month. So that's a lot of people. That's thirty to forty thousand downloads every month. That's amazing. And uh, I get lots of messages and comments from people um, about, the, about the podcast, lots of encouragement. And I do get some donations, which um, I really, really appreciate, and that's fantastic. It really helps me to continue doing Luke's English podcast, because these days it's not really cheap. Now, I, have, um, I pay a subscription to Podomatic, and they allow me to store up to 15 gigabytes of data, and they allow me to transfer through broadband 1.5 terabytes of data uh, every month right so but um, every month I tend to get about three terabytes of data so I'm like double my allowance I'm going twice over the top of my allowance which means that basically um, I the website blocks me um, 
probably around the middle of the month, the website just blocks me, so I can't uh, upload any new content during that time. I have to wait until the, the end of the month when it gets reset, and then I can upload content. Um, so, it's yes, and so that's a lot of uh, bandwidth and a lot of storage space, and so I have to pay for that to Podomatic. And so I do have like overheads and costs uh, with Luke's English podcast. So your donations certainly help me just try and pay every month for my subscription, just to allow uh, everyone in the world to be able to access episodes of Luke's English podcast. So I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, so. Let's see. Now, in this episode, I thought I would share with you some of the conversations and kind of games and things that I typically play with members of my family when we are together at Christmas time. Um, now, at Christmas in the UK, it's very common for families to get together and they play games with each other. Now, in fact, um, at the moment, my my parents and my family we really love playing uh, mahjong. You know the Chinese game mahjong. Um, we play that all the time. My dad's got this mahjong set, which he brought back from Hong Kong, and we always play that. I don't think we're very good. We're, we're certainly not as good as most, say, Chinese or Taiwanese players. But we really enjoy doing it. It's really good fun, and the mahjong set is beautiful. All the tiles just look fantastic. So we play mahjong. We play games like cards and Pictionary and Trivial Pursuit and Scrabble. But we also make up our own games. And sometimes we play, play speaking games where you have to describe something, for example, in a certain way. Um, also, when we're together with the family, because we're all quite, um, let's say, intelligent, opinionated um, people with things to say about the world, all, all the members of the family all have a lot of things to say about the world. And so often when we, the four of us get together, or the five of us, um, we, um, we tend to sort of argue and debate with each other quite a lot. And it's quite funny, I think, because it's almost like we can't have a normal conversation without it becoming some sort of po political debate in the middle of it. Um, I suppose, like, my dad is, um, he's worked for the BBC for many, many years, um, very intelligent. He went to Oxford University. He's a fantastic professional news broadcaster. He now does training um, in um, places like Serbia and various other places, uh, media training. He's also uh, a visiting professor at university in Birmingham. So he's very uh, clever, very well-educated person. My mum is also extremely well-educated. She's got uh, several degrees and um, she knows so many things, particularly about history. My brother, of course, went to university and he's a graphic designer and he's kind of very in tune with uh, popular culture. And then there's me, of course, I'm Luke from Luke's English Podcast and I sort of know about stuff in general, you know. Um, yeah, I just know about some stuff, really, don't I? Uh, that's, I, I am qualified. I've got my university degree and my diploma of English language teaching to adults and all my life experience, which has made me the kind of wise, incredibly insightful person that you've come to know through listening to Luke's English podcast. So when the four of us get together, it's usually kind of a bit of an argument. So what I did recently is I recorded us 
having uh, some conversations and debating a few points. So what I'm going to do is, first of all, play that to you, and you can just listen to us debating various things. And at certain moments, I will pause the recording and just explain some things which we said. So now you're going to hear some kind of family debates and arguments over a number of topics. I hope you enjoy it, and do stay tuned because I will be explaining some of the language in due course. Thank you very much. Got a hole in my trousers. We're talking about the, f the first question I thought I'd pose to us is um, this thing about language because we've just been talking about that. Mm. Um, so, what? Okay, what? Here's the, here's the question: Is it okay? What's what's um, what's better, British English or American English? British English. Right, Mum. British English. Why? Because it's correct. It's the correct form of English. So American, all the Americans are getting it wrong. They're all speaking wrong, are they? Well, that's how we feel about it, yeah. No, it's not. I don't mind. They can speak how they like. Doesn't really bother me. Okay. They can spell colour how the hell they like, and they do. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> some, pe some people say that American English is the way that we spoke English when the Americans went over. Yeah, the the the. Yeah. with a bit of Dutch. They spell uh, theatre T H E A T whatever T H E A E R as opposed to R E T H E A T E R. Yeah. And that we spell it T H E A T R E. We spell it the more European version. When they started spelling it T H E-A-T-E-R. That's We spelt it like that too, and then since then we've changed We've got a whole French. Why would we have changed I don't know. I don't know why. Hang on. It's, it's have, the Latin we, we origins of the language, know, though, isn't French. it? Let Dad clear this up. We, we, Theatre, R-E, like centre, R-E, yeah, yeah. centre, and, and other R-E is a French usage. And, right. of course, the English language in the Isles of Britain are... A whole collection of imports from the other parts of Europe, <laughs> from Scandinavia, from France, from Germany, and from other right, places. Okay. And so, uh, when the Americans spelt it theatre er, we always thought that they just couldn't spell. But I mean, it's simple as And that. so, so in the end, then, what's the score? What's the situation? Is er okay, Dad? What do you think? I don't think it matters at all. Uh, more interesting is the way people speak as opposed to what they spell. And right. um, I think that uh, there is clearly in, the, in Britain a very strong feeling that American English is uh, sloppy and, and not correct. But um, why, though? Now, why, this, is it, is I'm not why is it not that, correct? I, well, I'm saying that there is a view, but it's not logical. Language isn't logical. Mm. If language was logical, we would have correct spellings for everything. Right. Our spellings are completely crazy, and we don't follow the grammar. Right. Um, it, language isn't logical. But I'm just saying there is a very strong feeling in Britain that, say, American English isn't the authentic version. OK, so basically British are just racist towards the Americans. No, I think, I think it's because of standards, Luke. Standards. Oh, it's just different. People always see differences and they always see their way of doing things as the right way. But personally, I don't really mind. I mean, they've got a different culture to us. I think it's a very similar culture, but very different. It's, you know, it's a... It's a it's uh, two cultures united by a, a common language. I think that it's I don't mind, they can do what they want. I reckon a lot of British people are just snobbish. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. 
about you know they're like it's you know we're British and we speak English therefore we do it correctly and the Americans speak our language and they corrupt it and bastardise it. The only thing yes. that bugs me is when Americans tell me that I'm saying things wrong. They mm. bug That's you. That's <laughs> an Americanism. Yes, and I accept American language. I don't have a problem yeah. with it. I so, just don't like being told so I'm mom, doing it wrong. Mum, are you, you ready to reassess your position on this whole American-British-English thing? No. No, you still think the Americans are basically doing it wrong. Yeah. And basically. the British are doing it right. Yeah. Even they're though more people in the world speak American English than British uh, English. So you yeah, think they're basically that's... inbred redneck um, cowboys, basically. That's what you think, isn't okay. it? Okay. Because they're, they're the, the latest... They, they're... Um... They're just stupid, aren't they? No, it's their <laughs> empire. They, 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 are impi- they have been imperial over the last... That's coming from an English person. Exactly, but they have spread their language throughout their empire in the same way that we spread our language throughout our empire. Not quite the same, is it? The original one. Not Mm. quite the same thing, though, is it? Our language has evolved. There's no such thing as a set language. Both languages have evolved separately. So our language Mm. is totally different now than it was even 50 years ago. Yeah, but maybe what the Americans speak... So you can't say that they're wrong and we're right. They've both Mm. evolved in separate Maybe what the Americans speak should be called American and what we speak... Well, it's called American English. It's called American English. Okay. And ours is called British English. Okay. Well, I think it's a very interesting subject because language does reflect culture and cultural language are inspired. The point is that uh, America's culture has been built on enterprise, individuality... And guns. And and, and (laughs) go-getting. And go-getting guns. They see the language as as being something that you you can improvise, you can uh, play with it. It's a kind of an instrument you can play with. Whereas whereas the language in the UK is regarded as being a, a traditional thing. We're much more traditional. It's basically considered to be and owned the by... French the, are the same. It's the royal family. No, no, I don't the royal think the Queen's English... We call it the Queen's English. Speak. No, no, we don't. The, the Queen's English is, is not, not a concept that everyone recognises. Not even the Queen speaks the Queen's English. I agree. No, what I'm saying is that if the Americans like to embroider their language and they like to make transport sound more important by calling it transportation, or instruments more important by calling them instrumentation... Instrumentationisationisms. And and so on and so on. And they they quite like to embroider the language. The, The culture... Back home is precision, 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 and the and the most respected writers are the ones that do things absolutely pared down, efficient to basic, very, very efficient. According to and who? So, respected so, by who? Who? Exactly. All writers from Hazlitt to Austin to, to Shakespeare, who Shakespeare. was the most. He uh, wasn't exactly the most well, efficient well, writer. Precision is the thing. No, the, the, they want they want language to communicate very. Precisely, and not be vague or obfuscating, and that's why I think there was okay. a strong tradition made up in the loads UK. Of words yes, he did, but they were brilliant. I mean, he wasn't writing in text. Goodness, we now have a great orator as American president, as opposed to his predecessor, okay, right. who, was, who was the guy who basically said, "Do do not misunderestate right. me." I mean, stop. to misunderestimate me is an extraordinary word. Stop, it's stop, not Shakespearean. Stop, stop. I think we happily fail to reach a conclusion on that. Great. Really. So next, next question, which next, I was just next week. You mean no. Next question, which I've just come up with, which is this, right? Should you give money to homeless people in the street? Oh, oh goodness, no. 
No. Mm. Mum, no. Why? Why not? Uh, because if you give it directly to them, they will use it for, you know, if they're probably on drugs or something, or drinking alcohol. Yeah, what if are you, you doing it, with your you wages? It, if you give it to them, they will use it on that. But what, don't I, they... what I prefer to do is to give my money to an organisation. Well, how would you feel if, if your boss said, I'm not going to pay you this week because you can only spend it on drink? What I prefer to do is to, is to give it to an organisation that will... Help these people, but, so I give my money. But mum, uh, that homeless guy on the street, what does he really want? Does he want some orange juice or does he want some heroin? I think he wants the heroin. So I'm supposed <laughs> to give it to him? Something that's well, bad that's, for him? That's pretty I'd much rather, what he needs. I'd rather give time. it to shelter and they will help him in other ways to yeah. to sort his life out. Okay. So and I do give money to to shelter every year, every week, every month. Right. And every week. And every week. And, and every, every year. year. On a, a monthly a, basis. As a banks, bank... Um, Transfer. Yes. James, have you got an, a, a point of view on this? Um, I, I don't have uh, a definitive point of view because each person's different, aren't they? And who am I to deny this guy a can of beer if he's down and out, you know? If he wants to scab a quid, quid off me and I'm feeling a bit flush that day... Why not? A lot, of, drink. a lot of idiomatic language being used here. Anyway, carry on. Carry um, on. So generally I don't, but occasionally I do give right. money to homeless people because, OK, it may not help them in the long run, but it might make their evening a little bit better. OK. Yes, but that might, even, uh, might make, make their situation worse. Might exacerbate. Exactly. Things. OK, Dad? Well, well, it's a very good question because we all have this dilemma uh, when you know, someone... Uh, is begging and you feel that you can give them a small amount of cash and it won't hurt you and it'll help them. But I agree with my wife, Gillian, that we shouldn't, <laughs> we shouldn't um, do this because I think beggars on the street is, is some kind of visible um, measure of whether you're a civilised society or whether you're not. And um, I think that it should be part of the state system to make sure that people in serious need are looked after, and we pay plenty of tax for that to happen. And that, um, uh, as has been said earlier, we don't know what they're going to do with this money we give them. And uh, I don't want to encourage it. I don't like it. I don't like to see beggars on the street. I don't think they should be there. And uh, I feel we should give our money to the state and to other organisations, such as Shelter, which is a mm. brilliant charity, to, uh, to organise the methods to stop people having to sit on the street and say please can you give me a bit of change it's humiliating great. for them and it's also embarrassing for us okay great thanks thanks tony blair dad i mean dad <laughs> thanks dad how um, dare you i think that was a good argument though. yeah very very well put okay uh next question um if if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there, does it make a noise? Yes, it does. Of course it does. Of course Why? it does. How do you end, know? Of, end of argument. How do you know? Because it fucking does. <laughs> <laughs> right. Fine. Next question. Um, okay. Why don't the English learn another language? We why, do. why are we bad at learning other languages? Je suis um, uh, français. It's, it's excellent. That's uh, not French. That's just noises that sound like. Tu as dit? Nous What you're doing now is just embarrassing yourself <laughs> because what you're speaking is not French. It's just a noise that sounds like French. The reason we don't learn a foreign language is because we. Um, it was our empire that 
Um, oh, stop talking about the bloody empire. Well, that's what it's all about. It's about empires, and and uh, the British Empire spread all over the world, and it taught English all over the world, and so now loads of people um, learn English all over the world because the next empire is the American Empire, and they also speak a form of English, and so everybody speaks English. Mm, I guess it's so. We don't. We don't need to speak another it's down language. That's a necessity, like you say. But when it's I go on a holiday, I do make every effort to speak in their language. And I'm not bad at Spanish after I've been there. You are bad at Spanish. <laughs> Compared, come on. Like, come on let's okay, say I'm bad at Spanish, but I try. The degrees of badness, okay. right? Yeah. All right. And um, I don't. I'm not one of these people that just points at the menu and shouts in English. I try every effort to. You just eat don't the, shout. Eat the Spanish food. Speak as much Spanish as possible, even if it's very limited. Mm. I will go to every effort I can okay. to speak. All right. In the language I on the country I'm in. Right. So, Professor Thompson, any? Well, yeah, yes. Thoughts on this? <laughs> Professor Thompson does agree that there's no not much point in talking about history and how it happened. We are where we are, and in a globalized society, English has risen to the top as being the language of business, the language of um, tourism, and and uh, <clears throat> the media. It's extraordinary how how English is now used by so many different Yeah, but societies. why don't the English speak another language? Well, that's the reason we don't. That, that, as James said, you try and, you know, go to another country, and I'm, I'm often in Belgium, and I try to speak French when I'm in Brussels. We don't And, and it, it, just, it just doesn't work. Yeah. I, they, they reply to me in English, because yeah. everybody can speak English. It's like when I lived in Japan, I used to try and order my um, dinner in Japanese, and I would order it in Japanese, and then they would repeat the order back to me in English. That's right. Because so they, none of, no one wanted me to speak Japanese. They all wanted to try and use the mm. opportunity to speak English. Well, you find that everywhere, and I work a lot now in the Balkans, in you know, in Serbia and Croatia and other places. Exactly the same. Every opportunity to speak, wants English. to speak English to you. Yeah. So it's not an incentive to learn yeah. Serbian. Right. And it is a bit embarrassing. I wish I was better at languages, other languages, to be honest. Yeah. It's it's a shame how. You know, we we don't have as good language skills as other countries do. It is mm. a bit of a shame. Mum, can you get me a beer? <laughs> Thanks. Um, all right. What, go, what's that in Japanese? Um, let's see. Biru onegaishimasu. Okaasan. Biru onegaishimasu. Sounds a bit rude. I don't know. Well, I don't speak Japanese. Unbier, s'il vous plaît. Unbier, s'il vous plaît. Unbier, s'il vous plaît. Yeah. Unbier, it's an, an I don't know. I don't know if that's right. No, it is. It is. You're right. Anyway, anyway, anyway let's, let's, not get, let's not get caught up in some sort of... Because there's a lot of estrogen in beer. French. It's feminine. French not, not grammatical gossip. debate. Right, next question. Well, Spanish, next yeah. question, all right. Is it ever justifiable to commit an act of murder? Yes, it is. Murder. Murder. Is it... Under what but, conditions is uh, it justified? Murder. Murder. The the intentional uh, killing of another that person. Murder is not self-defence. Could be manslaughter. Murder. It can be self-defence. No, this becomes no, manslaughter. Well, no, no. What you get is um, mur murder. Is the intentional taking of someone else's life. All right. It can be reduced definition. to manslaughter no, no, no. with mitigating circumstances. For example. Yeah, yeah. Um, some, you know, some is about to kill you, and I no, kill him. But what about war? Isn't that murder? Well, is it? I don't know. Does that count as murder? 
No, in a, no, in no. a, in a war. I don't think so. So you no, bandy no. this word murder about without well, knowing no, what that's, it means. That's, that's I'm opening up term. a question to debate. Can you, can you open that bottle for me? No one's going to listen to that. Are you saying thou shalt not kill? Is that what you're saying? I'm, no, I'm just asking, is it ever justifiable yes, to take someone's life? That's, somebody... that's not the same as me. Okay. So, so, okay. If somebody so, was kill. saying they were going to kill my family, and I had the opportunity to kill them to stop them doing that, then yes, it's completely justified. So do you reckon that you End would the then be... Um, you wouldn't be punished? Well, no, legally, that's another matter. You're getting very confused here. You're convincing no, moral issues up with legal issues. Yeah, but they're Completely kind of the, no, they're not the same thing. They're the same thing. No, they're not. No, they're it's not, not at all. No, they no. should be. Are you should saying, be. No, is it ever justifiable to take somebody else's life? Yes, of course it is. Morality is down to an individual's point of view. The no, law, but the law should reflect what's right and what's reasonable. The law in the future is extremely sophisticated in this manner, with lots and lots of precedent. And basically, the circumstances in which you take someone else's life are um, very uh, measured against uh, precedent and, and cause and effect and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, taking someone else's life could, of course, be justified in certain circumstances. All right. That's interesting. Personal morality and the law. I mean, if someone comes at you, you know, with a, with a knife... What do you think? And you mean? kill them? No, I'm just well, self-defence. Saying that the law takes these things into account, and that having personal morality and the law is totally separate things. I don't know. Are they? Are they? No, they separate things. Because the... think, as an example, do you think it's immoral uh, to smoke cannabis once every now and then? Because according to the law, it's completely illegal. <coughs> Um, just as well, an example. No, 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 I don't. So, you, so the law and well, no, personal morality aren't the same thing, are they? It'd be too reductive. We're not being reductive. It's just an obvious example to, to prove to you that the law and personal morality are completely yeah. different. Yeah. Are you thinking in terms of the burglar who was killed by... Possibly, yeah, the burglar. Very badly injured by the people he burgled. There was a... I heard about a story in the, the news about this woman in America who was on the phone to the police because there was someone trying to break into her, her house and she had a gun and this person was sort of trying to break the door down and they eventually threw a um, kind of picnic table through her uh, French windows and she shot the guy. Mm. Um, what's that? Where's this? Where's, Which country? Well, in America. I think that's manslaughter. <laughs> I think that would be justified. justified. Yeah, that's under American law, because American mm. law is quite different to British yeah, and they're allowed law. You're to legally allowed to shoot someone mm. on your property mm. um, if they're there without your consent, mm. whereas we don't have that law here. Mm. You'd have to, it'd be a much more complicated process yeah. of arguing that individual case, whereas in America it's quite cut and dry. Mm. Someone breaks into your house, you can legally shoot them dead. But the case that happened recently in this country where a burglar uh, broke into someone's house... A and... gang of three, actually. OK. A gang of three people broke into someone's house and tied them up and... You know, it was and horrible. threatened them with knives. It was horrible. It was a horrible offence. Where's the money? But, but the guy... It wasn't a life-threatening situation. He went on a re revenge mission. He did. And then That's killed right. the guy, they, which is... Well, they didn't fled actually kill him. And he, they pursued him. He battered them. him so that his brain died. And they but it wasn't even that them. evening, was it? It was... No, and he was late top. Yeah. 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 You can't justify no, that. No, you can't, can't. condone that. No, that should... That's definitely... It's murder. Uh, yeah. Well, except he wasn't killed, but it's definitely a crime. Well, mm. certainly. That's right. a completely different matter. OK, final question. Um, let's see. 
final question is um, is the music of the 1960s better than the music of the current <clears throat> times yeah of course yes well there's no I mean that's there's a no personal contest. viewpoint Absolutely isn't it no contest. personal viewpoint they're better they're, you can't quantify well they, they were the way. They it's personal were... opinion isn't it mm. so you can't answer I, that I, I think I think I think you can um, measure it by um, public opinion so imagine there was a survey which said you know uh, which of the greatest but are we imagining the results of this survey this, as well we are list wait a minute and wait wait wait, wait, wait. and imagine everybody who is on this planet so is this a representative sample of the UK wait a minute an imaginary survey is not we give them a thousand tracks and you can vote for them and I think that, you know... Uh, you imagine that most of the people who are on the Rolling Stones and various others would probably come wrong. out. I think people of a certain age would. The enormous bands. I think people below a certain out. age would vote for things like Britney Spears and Miley Cyrus and, and Blue and whatever Jed they're Wood into. Whatever they're into. And the latest... Power falling. Well, OK, so we can't measure it. It's just subjective. And the answer is, of course, the 60s by far. They're not. Very, Best very limited. So if you, as far as guitar music Limited? Goes, yeah. Very limited. Yeah. Think of very, George very Harrison's guitar uh, work in uh, early Beatles tracks and think of you know the guitar Hang work. Hang on a minute. But I mean this the style the same of music. Decade. The style of and music's massively limited. Slow hand um, and... and uh, yeah, he wasn't in the 60s. Did he Eric Clapton, he was. Oh, well, <laughs> I thought he was a 70s. I don't think it's cut and dry, to be honest. I yeah. think we've got what very rosy eyes. No, no, no. There's all sorts of musical stuff going on now that's um, blown people's minds back then. Yeah, really. It's a yeah. totally different yeah. way. Yeah, it's yeah. a totally different genre of music. Different genres of music. Fields and, different and, genres uh, of music. Yeah, quite possibly. Like, for example... Strawberry Fields the rest of my life, I'd be... Flipping sick of it. Come on. Right, okay, that ends the conversation. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Okay, so that's a typical kind of Christmas argument uh, with my family, very typical for that kind of uh, situation. Now, I told you that I would uh, sort of deal with some of the language after that, but to be honest, there's so much, there's absolutely so much language. I've just filled nearly three pages of notes just from listening to that. Um, what I'm going to do is instead of spending all my time just sort of um, explaining bits of language now, I'm going to actually write all of these down and put them all on the... Uh, I'm going to put them all on the website so you can actually read them all. I might talk about a few of them now, but I can't talk about them all. But I will write them all down. So, um, let's see, it's the correct form of English. So the first question was, what's better, British English or American English? And, of course, it doesn't really matter. They're both equally valid. Uh, but some of the things that were said was, it's the correct form of English. So all the Americans are getting it wrong, are they? Uh, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Since then we've changed. Uh, let dad clear this up. So if someone clears something up, I said let dad clear this up. So if you clear something up, it means you clarify it. So let dad clear this up. Let dad clarify this. Um, um, he said there's a strong feeling that American English is sloppy. Sloppy means it's it makes mistakes and it's kind of got errors in it and it's a bit careless. Careless and with mistakes. Sloppy. 
Um, I'm saying that there is a view, but it's not logical. Okay, it's two cultures divided by a common language, or two cultures separated by a common language. That's a common expression that people say about the relationship between American. Uh, culture and British culture, that they're two cultures separated by a common language. And it's a kind of ironic expression. It just means that uh, although Americans and the British have a similar language or the same language, we're still completely different cultures, just, um, just as different as another culture that would speak a different language, for example. The only thing is we just happen to speak the same language, but the two cultures are really different. So we say, that we say there are two cultures divided by a common language. Um, Someone said, I reckon British people are just snobbish. If you're snobbish, it means you kind of look down your nose at people. You think you're better than other people and you cast judgments on people you think are below you. Um, the only thing that bugs me, if something bugs you, it really annoys you or irritates you. But it's an American expression. So it's in interesting that my brother used an American expression. The only thing that bugs me is when Americans tell me that I'm doing it wrong. So it's quite interesting. Um, okay, so da, da, da. American culture has been built on. This is quite funny. American. My dad was saying American culture has been built on enterprise, individuality, and then my brother said, and guns, and then my dad said, and go-getting, and go-getting is is when you're outgoing and you're entrepreneurial, and you go out to get something in order to achieve something. So if you're a go-getter, it means you kind of, you're a keen, enthusiastic um, person. So um, he said, uh, American culture has been built on enterprise, individuality, go-getting, and guns. Well, my brother said guns as a joke. And then I said, yeah, go-getting guns, meaning let's go get some guns, just as a bit of a joke. Um, the culture back home is about precision. Um, okay. Um, the next question was, should you give money to homeless people? And I think my mum said, they're probably on drugs. So you'd say on drugs. If someone is taking drugs, you'd say that they are on drugs, right? So homeless people m might be on drugs. Um, and um, let's see, arguing about whether um, you should give money to homeless people or not. My brother said, I don't have a definitive point of view. So a definitive is like a definite, you know, a definite point of view or opinion. Um, and then he said, who am I to deny this guy his can of beer? So if you deny someone something, in this case, deny him his can of beer. So if you deny someone something, it means you don't let them have it. Okay, so my brother was talking about giving um, stuff to homeless people, and he said, uh, "Who am I to deny this guy his can of beer if he's down and out? If you're down and out, it means you're homeless. Down and out. So if you're a homeless person, you could be down and out. So who am I to deny this guy his can of beer if he's down and out? If he wants to scav a, if he wants to scav a quid off me, to scav something is to like basically." Uh, beg for something, beg something, beg for something and get it. So if you scav a quid off someone, um, it means you sort of beg someone to give you one pound. A quid is slang for a pound, right? So um, let's see, if he wants to scav a quid off me and I'm feeling a bit flush that day, why not? Well, uh, if someone wants to scav a quid off me, if they want to, you know, ask me for a pound, and I'm feeling a bit flush. If you feel flush, it means you feel like you've got money. 
You know, you feel like you've got some money in your pocket. So you feel flush means you've got some money with you. So uh, if he wants to scav a quid off me, and I'm feeling a bit flush that day, why not? So he's saying if he's got some money in his pocket and someone asks him for a pound, why not? He'd give it to him. So the next question is a very, um, very common uh, philo philosophical question. It's a conceptual philosophical question um, about the nature of uh, knowledge and empiricism, right? And it's um, if a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody there, does it make a noise? Very, very old question. It's like one of those questions like, what's the sound of one hand clapping? Or what came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, well... If a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody there, does it make a noise? And the idea is that you, if you say, well, yes, it does make a noise, you'd have to say, well, how do you know? Because no one was there to record the noise. No one heard it or, or experienced the noise. How can we be sure that the tree makes the noise when no one's there? Well, the fact is we, we sort of trust in science, don't we? And we, we, you have to make kind of evaluations and guesses or theories. So our theory is that the tree does make a noise when we're not there. But there is an element that says you can't prove it unless, you, um, you know, unless you're actually there. I mean, even if you leave a microphone there, it's the same thing as someone being there, in effect. Um, and, of course, my, my parents and my family, were, have, they've heard this question many times before. And I think my brother said something like, does it make a noise? Of course it fucking does, as just a kind of stupid thing that he would say. So the... Fourth question, why don't the English learn another language and why are we bad at learning languages? Um, and my mum started talking about the empire again and my brother said, stop talking about the bloody empire. So bloody is a kind of swear word that you can use there. It's not too bad, but it's still a swear word. Um, let's not get caught up in some sort of French grammatical debate. If you get caught up in something, it means you get deeply involved in it and it kind of wastes a bit of time. It prevents you from moving forward. So if you get caught up in a debate about French grammar. The next question was, is it ever justifiable to commit an act of murder? Is it ever justifiable to commit an act of murder? Uh, justifiable is an adjective. It means that you can justify something. If you can give good reasons for doing it, then you can justify it. And it is justifiable. Um, is it ever justifiable to commit an act of murder? Commit is the verb we use with many crimes. You commit murder, commit theft, commit robbery, commit fraud, and so on. So is it justifiable to commit an act of murder? Uh, we then started talking about other crimes like manslaughter. Manslaughter is a, f a form of killing, but um, it's less serious than murder because you remove the, the element of uh, intention. So it's like killing someone, it's your responsibility, but you didn't intend to do it. So that's manslaughter. You commit manslaughter. Um, and sometimes murder can be reduced to manslaughter if there are mitigating circumstances. That means the charge of murder could be dropped and made less serious and made into a manslaughter charge and then um, if there are mitigating circumstances. So mitigating circumstances are things that make a crime less serious. For example, if it's an act of self-defence, that would be a mitigating circumstance or mitigating factor, right? Uh, so manslaughter, um, does that count as murder in a war? If something counts as something, it means it's valid as something. So, for example, does this Scottish pound, does this Scottish 
£10 note count as currency here? And yes, of course it does. Um, so to take someone's life, that's another way of saying to kill someone, to murder someone, to take someone's life. Um, then we had a big argument, a big angry argument about whether morality about whether morality and the law are the same thing. It was a big passionate argument between me, my brother and my dad, and I think probably my brother and my dad were right in this case. It was a big argument. Our morality, our personal morality and the law, the same thing. Oh, big fight, big argument thing. Um, and then we, we talked about um, a few other things. Um, okay. Now, the que mm -mm. Question number six was, is the music of the 1960s better than the music of current times? And my dad and mum think that it is. They think it's the best music ever. So my dad at the beginning said, no contest, no contest. And if, there's, if it's no contest, it means that uh, one, one thing wins really easily. So win something really easily. It's no contest. We win easily. So my dad said, no contest. Um, it's, a, it's personal opinion, my brother said. Um, then my dad started talking about some imaginary survey where enough people were asked what the best music was, what the best music was, they would all choose the 60s. But this is an imaginary survey, and that doesn't count as evidence in an argument. You can't start um, citing imaginary results or made-up statistics. Um, that's ridiculous. Even though probably a lot of the time statistics are probably just invented. In fact, I think it's 89.7% of all statistics are just made up on the spot. Ha 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 ha. Very funny joke, which you probably didn't get. In which case, let me just run it by you again. Um, what I'm doing here is I've just told a joke, and you probably didn't find it funny, which is fine, that's okay. But what I'm now going to do is sort of dissect the joke in order to explain what, what the joke was. And this is actually a really bad idea because um, if you explain a joke, then it's not funny anymore. Um, there's an old analogy which is like explaining humour is like dissecting a frog. Um, basically, um, no one really learns anything and the frog dies. But nevertheless, I'm going to explain this joke. And what, what was the joke? Um, oh yeah, 89.7% of all statistics are just made up on the spot. So, um, and obviously I just made that, stati that statistic up on the spot. That's the joke. To make something up on the spot is just to invent something, create something instantly. So 89.7% of all statistics are just made up on the spot. Ha 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 ha. Right. So, um, big survey thing. Uh, my brother, I think, said, I don't think it's cut and dry. If something is cut and dry, it means it's, it's clear, it's black and white. Cut and dry, black and white. And if it's not cut and dry, then it's ambiguous or vague or grey. There's a grey area, for example. That's something that's um, vague or ambiguous, um, difficult to see, difficult to understand. Whereas if it's clear, then it's cut and dry or black and white. Okay? And in English, we do say black and white in that order. We don't say white and black. No, it's always black and white. Um, I don't think it's cut and dry. It's not black and white. Um, okay, and I think that's pretty much the end of that. So, as I said, I will print all of those bits of language and more on the web page so you can check them out. Now, um, I thought that with my family this time I would record them uh, doing some speaking exercises. Now, at school we often give students uh, tasks uh, for example, to talk about a subject for a couple of minutes without stopping. Um, 
And, of course, in many Cambridge exams, you have to do a little short presentation where you talk for a minute or two minutes about a given subject. So I thought I would do a similar thing with the members of my family. Of course, they're native English speakers, so they should be able to do it, really. But I thought I'd make it a little bit more difficult by giving them three minutes, not two. You get two in the IELTS exam. In my exam, you get three minutes. And I've randomly chosen some topics, and I put them in a hat, and then I asked my parents and my brother to pick a topic and talk about it for three minutes. And there were some rules. The rules were basically that you can't stop. You can't stop talking. Uh, you can't pause or uh, hesitate for a long time. And you have to stick to the topic. You can't drift off and talk about different subjects. You've got to stick to your topic. And you have to just keep talking without repeating yourself too much until the end. Now, um, this kind of exercise can be quite challenging. It's difficult to just keep talking and talking and talking and to make sense clearly for, for like three minutes. So it's quite good practice. It's quite a good idea for you to do that. And an, uh, another thing I've noticed when I'm playing this game with people is that there's one way that people sort of manage to get around this, and that's by listing, listing things. So you, you hear if people uh, were to talk about football clubs, they would say, so football is a game uh, which is played by teams, for example, Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Aston Villa, Birmingham, um, and Manchester City, you know, that kind of thing, listing. That's like cheating, really. So watch out for listing and try to avoid doing that. See if you can identify when my brother or my parents start listing things as a way of um, kind of cheating a little bit. So um, those are the rules, and uh, three minutes. Um, three, uh, four people, because I'm involved in this too. Um, so have a listen to this, and you'll be able to read some notes uh, on the web page as before. So enjoy this little conversation game. Okay. Three things. So hello, we're ready to play the game. Let's introduce the players. I'm going to start. My name's Luke Thompson. I'm an English teacher from London, and I'm the guy who does that amazing podcast which everyone is listening to called Luke's English Podcast. Hello, I'm Jill Thompson. I'm the mother of the very modest Luke Thompson and I work in a charity bookshop. Hello, I'm Rick Thompson. I'm Luke's father. We live in the middle of England in a place called Solihull and uh, I teach people uh, broadcast technique. <laughs> Hello, I'm James Thompson. I live in London and I'm Luke's brother. Okay, right, those are the players. Let's start the game. We know the rules. I've already established those. So who's going to go first in this uh, game? I th yeah, is Rick Thompson going to go first? Okay, so he's picking a name out of the hat. Picking a word out of the hat. And the word is shopping. Okay, so Rick Thompson, you're going to talk about shopping for three minutes. Are you ready? Yes. Let the games begin. All right, well, it's a very interesting sh word, shopping. It's um, a, a pastime that seems to divide the nation, perhaps on men-women lines. I mean, a lot of women talk about shopping heaven, and shopping heaven seems to me to be a contradiction in terms, because obviously if you have to go out shopping into a, some kind of crowded place, moving from crowded shop to crowded shop, being uh, confronted with all sorts of uh, things you don't really want, um, it's more like shopping hell than shopping heaven. We've just had Christmas and uh, the newspapers have been full of all the, um, the frantic rush for the sales just immediately after Christmas. And the most famous shopping street in Britain 
is Oxford Street in London, uh, which, which has been a, a prestige shopping street for a long time, and all the best shops have their best branches down Oxford Street. Now, pictures of Oxford Street completely full of people, crammed, so full it was almost dangerous. And then, you know, just to make things even worse, they had a sort of horrible crime in the middle of Oxford Street, all this shopping, where somebody got stabbed and they had to seal off half the street. But before that had happened, we saw pictures of people rushing in through the front doors of Selfridges and, and going straight to the bargains they wanted to get and emerging with about 15 bags they could hardly walk. They must have spent an absolute fortune, and they all had big smiles on their faces. Seems to me it's an absolutely horrible thing to do. Shopping, for me, is simply something you have to get over as quickly as possible, as efficiently as possible, and if at all possible, get somebody else to do it for you. And uh, so uh, I like to nip out to the local shops. I don't like big uh, supermarkets or big chains very much. I like local shops, part of the community, and um, the best communities do have a nice little row of shops where people know you and where it's quite a, a comfortable experience to do the shopping. Um, so I think that um, at this point, um, One uh, minute. I just thought I'd say that, um, of course, I'm, I'm a typical man and a lot of men don't particularly like shopping. Uh, and I know that women do like to, to go and look at nice clothes, for example. And there is, I can understand, a kind of an appeal of looking at what the latest fashions are and, and people seem to like these accessories. Women like to have the right kind of handbag. It's got to be a designer handbag with the right name on. And shoes. Well, I mean, if you've got Jimmy Shoe shoes, Jimmy Choo shoes, obviously that increases your status and everybody looks at you admiringly, or so they think. But of course it isn't true that uh, people who feel they must have an expensive designer handbag must be somehow slightly inadequate because how can possibly having a designer handbag make you a more desirable and interesting person? I mean, I would have thought quite the opposite. The people who are most interesting are the ones who don't bother to go shopping for expensive items. Wow. Well done. What do you think, everyone? Think you, did, uh, think you did well? Very good. Yeah, very good job. And you, you've timed it perfectly at three minutes. It's amazing. It's almost like you've have you, you've been speaking English for quite a few years. <laughs> no, it's also useful to have a countdown clock on the table so well, that you can see how long that. you've got. No, 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 it, it wouldn't be fair otherwise. You have no okay. idea how long you've got to go okay. if you don't have it there. So who's, who's going to go next? I wonder. Is it Mum? OK. So, Gillian Thompson, your subject is? Oh, goodness. My subject is the royal family. OK, so you've got three minutes. Are you ready? I am. OK, off you go. Right, well, we have a royal family here. Uh, the royal family has been in the news this uh, Christmas because one of its members, the Duke of Edinburgh, the Queen's husband, uh, was taken into hospital, I think it was on Christmas Eve, because he had um, pains in his chest. He was taken to a hospital in Cambridge where they discovered there was a problem with one of his um, arteries leading to his heart and he had an operation and um, he didn't return home until the day after Boxing Day, I think, which meant that he missed the traditional Christmas that the royal family always has in Sandringham, in Norfolk, one of their palaces. And it's a, a tradition at Christmas that um, the royal family is always filmed going to church on Christmas morning at the church in, in um, Sandringham, and um, he was absent from the party this year. 
Um, but someone who was there for the first time was um, Catherine, uh, who married William um, in, the, in April of this year. And much, that caused much excitement, of course. Um, there are many members of the royal family. Um, the person, the heir to the throne is the, king's, the Queen's son, Prince Charles. Um, who was married to Lady Diana, who came to a rather sad end. He is now married to Camilla. And he has two sons, William and Andrew. Uh, no, William and Harry. Andrew is his brother, his younger brother. And his other brother is Edward. And his sister is Anne. <laughs> um, now, the royal family has been an institution in England for many, many centuries. Um, and it's a hereditary institution, although there have been one or two breaks in, in heredity over the centuries where the crown has been possibly usurped by people who aren't necessarily um, uh, in the direct line, but generally speaking it's heredity. Um, and um, the Queen's father was George VI, and there was a very successful film last year made about his life. He had a Lots of problems in his life. He was a very nervous man and he found it very difficult to speak in public. And the film was a very good um, illustration of, of that problem and how he overcame it with the help of a speech therapist. Uh, it also showed at the same time the, the sort of high bound and very um, formal life that he had to lead and how difficult that can be for a human living in that sort of strange heightened um, family circumstance. Um, but the Queen seems to be very um, able to cope with it all and she has been a great success. So, three minutes. <laughs> what do you think? Of, uh, very good. Yeah? I couldn't do that. Very good. It's very keep going for three minutes. Yeah, it is quite hard to keep it's going very without stopping. Very difficult. Okay, so it's James Thompson's turn now. Let's see, what's your subject? Reading books. Reading books, the fascinating, dramatic, exciting and glamorous world of reading books. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, well if you'd like to begin. Okay, reading books is a pastime which many people enjoy. It involves picking up a book, opening it at the first page, <laughs> skipping past the kind of legal information and starting to read. Normally, chapter one is the start of a book. <laughs> you read the words, mentally work out what they mean, and string it together in your head as a story, usually. Or it can be fiction or non-fiction. Fiction books are uh, stories made up by the author. Uh, they're not based on real events. That's the definition of fiction. Uh, whereas non-fiction would be more factual-based book. The most popular type of fiction book is a novel, um, and I don't know why they're called novels, sorry, <laughs> probably something to do with Latin. Um, a novel that a lot of people like is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that's something I read when I was a child, and it's written by a guy called Douglas Adams, who's a very good writer. Uh, it's... Um, it's it, you get the impression that it was a sci-fi book, but it's really more a philosophy book, a book about philosophy and the world and 
it's it's very funny, but it's also very true. In lots of places, about an ordinary man who uh, finds out his best friend is actually an alien and is saved from death and in fact the whole destruction of the planet by his friend at the very last minute. That's an example of one book. Um, but the subject here I see is reading books, not just books itself. So I shouldn't just talk about books, I should talk about reading books. So obviously the language I read in is English. Um, there are lots of other languages. <laughs> Some Japanese books are read the other way round. So the ones to the English as we know it. So they start from what we think of as the back and move the other direction. You can read books are being replaced in some people's minds by things like Kindles and uh, iBooks or whatever they're called, um, which are electronic books, which you can download thousands, very, thousands of books in a very small file size. Um, I still like the traditional book because if you lose it, it doesn't really matter. It's something quite nice about the paper and ink of a good book or even an average book. They're cheap. They can be read in the bath. They can be read on the train. You don't need a power source. They're better for the environment. And they're just slightly more romantic than an electronic gadget. So all in all, reading books is something everyone should do and do more of. Okay, it sort of started to stray off the topic slightly by going into a detailed description of your favourite book, The Hitchhiker's Guide well, to the Galaxy. Well, I was just filling time. You are filling time, yeah, that's right. And, um, but, yeah, good. I fine. found the subjects a little bit restrictive. It was just reading books rather than books. Right. So it's more about the process, the experience mm. of reading books rather than books in themselves. I think but, I could have done better with a bit more planning. That's a good point, though, yeah. isn't it, that the, the electronic books are... Like growing very quickly, yeah. but um, will it mean the end of the traditional book? Mm. Who knows? But um, that's the main debate around books at the moment, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Electronic books versus normal paper-based books. I think it's my turn. It is. It? Does it's this? Subject. I'm last. Does this mean that everyone expects me to be better at yes. yeah, this? You're the, the professional. Because I'm the one who started the game, and because I invented the game. I invented. So obviously you think you're going to be yeah. so, Not so. necessarily. No, well, no. Well, Get on with it. Okay, so my subject is um, bird watching. Ah. <clears throat> okay, so um, I'm ready. So you can start the clock. Right, bird watching is a hobby which uh, many people in the United Kingdom love to do. It might not be as popular in other countries. In fact, I've got friends who come from other countries and they don't understand why bird watching is considered to be such an enjoyable uh, time uh, pursuit. Okay? But in the UK, it's a very popular thing. It might be because in Britain we have lots of different types of birds and lots of migratory birds that come through the British Isles at various different types of the year. And so, um, for example, in the springtime, we get lots of new birds coming into the country as they pass through on their migratory paths, right? But um, bird watching could be considered to be a bit of a geeky pursuit. It might be the sort of thing that a, a, a geek would do, someone, a, a nerd, that kind of character, someone who hasn't really got much else going on in their lives and they just love to um, find out about some very specialised subject, for example, the various different types of bird species that exist in one area of the country. But it's not true. 
It's not sad, it's not geeky, it's actually very interesting. And there's a lot of pleasure to be gained from, for example, going out into the countryside um, in, uh, on a beautiful day, uh, wandering out into the countryside with your binoculars in your hand and uh, looking at all the various different types of bird life that you might find in the countryside where you happen to be walking on that particular day. Right, so uh, bird watching is something that uh, we grew up doing in the family. That's why, obviously, I've said it's not a sad thing. In fact, it's... Repetition. Uh, <clears throat> I've been accused of repetition. <laughs> I don't know if this means I should stop or I'm going to carry on. Proceed. Okay. okay. Um, so, um, yes, yeah, something that we grew up doing. Um, and um, Dad was always a big bird watcher and... Uh, He's seen lots of birds, lots of different types of birds. There are, there are various types of birds that you can uh, identify when you're doing bird watching. My favourite birds are the birds of prey. Those are those birds like kestrels or hawk, you know, hawks, sparrowhawks, um, different birds that eat other birds. I think they're the most exciting ones because it's brilliant when you see a bird of prey um, in the countryside because usually they're trying to kill and eat another animal. And that's quite exciting. It's a bit like watching Top Gun, but instead of looking at fighter jets, you're looking at birds trying to kill each other. And I think that's exciting. It's, a, it's an amazing moment when you're, when you're out there somewhere and you see, for example, a kestrel hovering in the air um, because it's, it's trying to catch a little mouse, some poor defenseless mouse on the ground. It's about to get eaten and digested by a majestic kestrel. It's amazing. That's it. Time's up. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I thought that was part of the game to point out when you <laughs> repeated yourself and you were going on about how sad or not sad it was, and you said that twice. I said that twice. Okay, so maybe I'm I, I being a bit harsh. No, no, we didn't really understand what to do if you, we thought you were you were erring. Um, so, and I'm sure nobody else ever repeated themselves or strayed off the subject well, at all. Well, uh, sarcasm. I think there was a bit of repetition all round. Maybe I repeated myself more than other people, but in the end it doesn't matter because it's just a stupid game <laughs> and no one really cares. Uh, no, but it was very good. That's it. Maybe we'll do another game another time, one that yes. will be a bit better, a bit more, interesting, a bit more exciting than this one. Cause that was well, I hope it's useful to hear how people actually talk. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I hope we can extract some small, tiny value from what has been basically a fruitless waste of time. I think next time you should find people with more diverse accents and you can get a Brahmin, you know, someone talks like people do from Birmingham, like this, and that might be more interesting to your listeners than four people or three people, four people with similar accents. Yeah, but, um, but most of my listeners really want to be able to speak, I imagine, in the way that, that we do. Yeah, but they also want to understand Different they, accents. They do. They want to. They're going to be freaked out if they meet a Brummy. If they come to England, they meet a Brummy. They'll be yeah. like, "What is that? What, <laughs> what language is this? Were they speaking English? <laughs> I don't even understand if that was a language. Because you know, they sort of kept speaking like this. It didn't make any sense at all. I didn't know what they were talking about. That's that's a Birmingham accent. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to draw this whole exercise to a to a close. Let's stop doing this before um, we waste any of. Uh, any more of anyone else's time. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for taking part, Thank you. members of my family. Right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
So there you are, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to my family talking about various things and being uh, quite uh, sort of funny and interesting. Um, I wonder what you thought of their uh, attempts at speaking for three minutes. Quite interesting. Maybe a little bit of listing going on there. I think my mum listed members of the royal family. You might have noticed that. So please do check the webpage, which of course is http colon forward slash forward slash www.teacherluke.podomatic.com check that out and you should be able to find uh, notes relating to this episode uh, you can also visit me on facebook because i've uh, i've got a facebook page so just go to facebook and type in luke's english podcast and you'll find that there i post notes and various things i share videos and things on there sometimes so check it out um, that's becoming more and more popular all the time i'm also on twitter of course and you can find me my username is at english podcast at English podcast. So check me out because I tweet things sometimes. I tweet little bits of language, some little com uh, little um, bits of advice, uh, some jokes sometimes. Uh, so check me out on Twitter. And of course, I'm also on YouTube um, and uh, I've got a channel there. You can just find me. It's Luke's English podcast on YouTube. And the YouTube page is a big success and I'm currently approximately at uh, 325,000 video views. Um, I've got about 10 or 11 videos on my YouTube page, so you can check them out. I specialize on YouTube in uh, presenting uh, videos of interviews with native English speakers. And I recently uploaded an episode uh, in which I speak to members of the public, uh, talk to people in the street about the royal family and what they think about the British royal family. And I think it's a very interesting series of videos. So, so you should check it out. Don't forget, of course, that you can donate money to Luke's English Podcast. Uh, I need um, donations every month to allow me to pay for this service. So if you'd like to donate, just find one of the donate buttons on PayPal. Um, you can see that on the on the webpage, teacherluke.podomatic.com. Go there, you'll see some buttons, yellow buttons that say donate, and you just click onto that, and that's PayPal, which is internationally known as a very, very safe way to send money over the internet. And you could just make a small donation. You need to enter some credit card details, but it's very simple, and it's a very, very safe site, so you'll have no problem. And you, you can actually use PayPal in the future when you buy things on eBay or when you purchase things on other websites you can use eBay to, uh, you can use PayPal to do that too so it's a very useful site to be registered with as a matter of fact so if you if you feel like making a donation then please go ahead and I'd like to imagine that um, perhaps you're in a, in a shop somewhere in a bookshop maybe and you pick up um, a box and it says Luke's English podcast on the front of the box and listed in the contents you'll find um, nearly a hundred episodes of um, English language teaching uh, available for you now, how much would you pay for that box? Uh, bear in mind that the box would also include pages and pages and pages of notes and transcripts and vocabulary. How much do you think that box would be worth? Well, just make a, a sort of a generous uh, guess and uh, maybe consider just throwing a little bit of cash in my direction just to help me uh, continue doing this. I do appreciate any donations I get. They make me feel all warm and happy inside because uh, it allows me to continue to do more episodes of Luke's English Podcast. Please stay tuned in the future for more content. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening and bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com.